Chapter 4 The Mystical Mala Delirium would be an understatement, but if you had to describe my mental state in a time like this, I'd simply call it madness. I could have been drunk from yesterday still, because the past day created a loop that caused my limbs to feel unstable. And I didn't have to pee either. When was the last time I peed? It felt like a gallon of wine was transported into my belly. Oh, I was so bloated. Good goddess, everything was trembling. It was a nightmare. Meanwhile, Bianca and the seven sisters gossip behind me. Oh, they were talking such shit about me. I just knew it. And that's when a set of tree branches collided into my body. Hey, watch it! The tree was in my way, and I couldn't listen to another word of their nonsense. They were all prissy bitches, upset that their money man was gone. And their loud chattering was too much for me. I didn't want to hear any of it. They were all crazy, the biggest whores I ever met. The preacher came beside me, walking very mindfully as I tripped and kicked away the brush that appeared in my path. My body was losing mobility, my mind was lashing about like a tornado, and the wrath of my anger descended into a radical depression. This bag of quality drugs was itching in my grip, and all I kept thinking about was which option would bring me back up again. Then where the hell was this black cat going? It walked beside Imokli's cat, both of their tails twisted together like lost lovers. And then the black cat turned to wink at me. Do you want to talk about anything? I'm a very good listener, said the preacher. If they hex me, I swear to God they're in trouble. The preacher was adamant about staying close, staying within reach if I fell, and I was even more concerned that he'd team up with the girls if he got out of my sight. This wise man in white robes was patient, but why wouldn't he tell me what was going on? This whole world was falling apart, and I needed... I needed... Well, I'm not sure what I needed, but another pill might take the pain away. My vision spun, my limbs smacked the branches aside, and there were aches splitting through my head. Oh, this was a dreadful place. It was hell on earth, and my mind was caught in a rhythmic loop heading toward insanity, and why wouldn't this preacher give me any space? The king's parties were always awful. They lasted for about two days, and afterwards you never knew what you were in for until you started coming down. I don't think I'd slept in three days, and these sisters... They're all the worst. How dare Bianca talk them up like they're sorceresses. They're all drug fiends with sex addictions. At least I wasn't a real prostitute. I never sucked anyone's... The cat stopped. Oh, thank God. I'm exhausted. Wait, look at that tree. Holy moly, good golly, it's huge. Great spot. This is where we'll camp. I had faith in you, Jane. Oh, thank the Lord, said the preacher. We stood in front of the world's largest oak tree. Or maybe it was Spanish moss. Whatever species it was, the trunk was a gargantuan pillar. It was so thick, there could have been a hundred other trees sewn together to form it. Countless branches reached out like a giant umbrella overhead. Endless limbs twisted and routed in the craziest manner. Some were woven between the dirt and fresh air, and others were so thick and twisted I could have had a picnic if I climbed up on the branches. Roots the size of benches sprouted up near the base, and I could hear that creek flowing nearby. Why don't we have a little talk, said the preacher. A talk? Why? I was unstable. And why was he smiling at me? Was he mocking me? That's it. Just a poor celibate bastard that can't even... Because I could use a friend. That's why, said the preacher. Perhaps we could sit by the stream. Fine. I started walking with him and began unzipping the bag of quality drugs in my arm. What if we set the drugs down for a moment, he said. My eyes bulged. I could feel my own shadow giving him the great death stare penetrating his soul. 
Yet he was so gentle and so understanding. Oh, it was making me sick. The drugs will be here when we get back, he added. I set the bag of quality drugs beside the cats. Both were licking their coats nestled between the tree's roots. Nobody touch these, I yelled to the group. I counted every bottle, every pill, and every joint, so don't even think about it. Sweat poured down my forehead. I couldn't tell if I was hot or cold. I shivered when the preacher took off the top of his robe and set it over my back. Oh, God, now the panic was mounting, and I could feel this was the beginning of an anxiety attack. Just breathe, he whispered. It's just the drugs. Give it time, and it'll all come back to normal. Normal, I said with my fingers twitching. What the hell is normal? Oh, he actually laughed. I took a breath and sighed it out, but now I was hyperventilating. Was I running out of breath? Why couldn't I breathe right? Normal was bullshit anyways, and whatever substance was in my system had me strung out worse than the other horse. Why are they so keen on leaving me out to dry all the time? Why don't they treat me like a friend? I was suffering for goodness sakes. These horrors were so selfish. Why wouldn't they help? And why wouldn't they check on me? And if they touched that bag, I swear to God. I peeked over my shoulder at the bag of drugs. Nobody was near it, but maybe there was a milder drug in there that could help. And have you ever stared at a stream? Ever noticed how the water flows? Asked the preacher. My eyes shifted to him. He studied the water rippling on by. There he peered at the rocks and the branches, but the sun was baking me alive. What am I, an English muffin? Can't I get a break? It was so hot, so terrible, and why couldn't I breathe? Just breathe, whispered the preacher. I'm, oh, 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 I'm too hot. I'm burning alive. Then sit in the water, he added. I walked forward and tripped into the stream. Plunging into about five inches of water, I thought about killing myself. There I was, face down and running out of breath. But after the third second into my suicide attempt, I pulled my head out from the water and gasped. <gasps> cool water splashed over my body. There was no way I could do it here. Not with everyone watching. Someone would wise up and save me anyway. The flowing water wrapped around me while I thought about calling it quits. Then turned over to look up as the cool current cradled my hips and core. Oh, please make this go away. I'm okay. I'm all alright. Please, God, make the panic stop and I'll do anything you want. Anything at all, Lord. We should be grateful for this moment. That's all we ever have, said the preacher. I laid there long enough to see how slow clouds passed through the blue sky. They were always going somewhere, but never in a rush. White shapes drifted overhead while the cool water ran over me. My mind was still unstable, but at last my breath was even. Deep inhales now. Steady exhales. And now I peeked up and saw the black cat standing on the shore, looking down at me from above the stream. Here, said the preacher, I want you to have this. He pulled a beaded necklace up over his head. This was the rosary he always wore, and he set it around my neck as I sat up in the stream. Like a portal of compassion, I held the beads in my hand and began to feel at ease. This necklace was nothing extravagant, just simple seeds tied together by a red string. What is it? It's a mala, or a rosary, and it has 108 beads. Do you know why that is? Levi was obsessed with the numbers. And what was so special about that number? 108. Well, I hadn't been around Levi long enough to understand what the big deal was. Numbers are divine, said the preacher. And when we examine 108, we start with the number 1 to remind us that we're all one together. Then the zero is a circle, and so we are reminded we're always whole. We are complete just the way we are. Perfect in our humanity, and even our flaws make us real. That is the reason life is so beautiful. It's always whole. 
And then there's the number eight. God gave us wisdom in the shape of an eight to remind us of infinity because our spirit is eternal. It cannot be harmed. Is that right? Well, thank you, kind sir. He smiled and sat back, looking up at the trees. I bet they didn't teach that in school either, asked the preacher. Nope. What in the world is going on in schools these days? Kids should know this stuff, said the preacher. I was calm, finally relaxed when I felt myself smile in the water. Ever since he set the beads around my neck, it felt like I'd entered a doorway into a new world, where my worries weren't allowed. And where had they gone? Had they washed away with the stream? After a few minutes of silence, the preacher picked up a small stick and began breaking it into smaller pieces. One by one, he looked down at the twig in his hand, closed his eyes, and took a moment to reflect upon it. Then he tossed a piece into the stream, allowing the water to carry it away. What are you doing? I'm offering away my troubles, said the preacher. Would you like to try it? How? Again, he smiled at me with those soft eyes. He was so gentle and kind when he handed me the brittle stick. Water is the life force of all living things. It's the planet's way of sustaining her plants, animals, and even people too. All you need is a little twig, like this, and then you break off a piece and make an offering to her earth. Once you've got it, drop the twig in the water and let Mother Earth do the rest, said the preacher. He snapped a piece off, and so I did the same. I used my mind to imagine something I'd like to release or a hindrance I'd like to give up, he added. I waited while he closed his eyes and gently shook the tiny branch in his hand as he summoned an intention. Then he dropped it in the stream and the water swept it away. It's simple, really. We're just practicing letting go, said the preacher. Letting go? Well, what was I holding on to? His eyes peeked up when it came to me. Fear. I'd like to release the fear. Then do it, said the preacher. Let it go. I dropped the twig into the stream and watched the water carry it away. My shoulders dropped down. Then my jaw relaxed. And I took another deep breath in. <sighs> You're lucky to have those girlfriends over there. They're not wrong, you know. But sometimes we make it so difficult on ourselves. All their spells, enchantments, and invocations. Well, it all starts from the basis of intention. No different than a prayer. It all starts in here, he paused to tap his head. It begins in the mind, but if you really want the secret, then you have to plant seeds in here. Now the preacher paused and tapped his heart. Open up your heart. Live a life with compassion. That's how prayers get answered, said the preacher. He stood up and patted some of the mud and dirt off from his white robe. And do you really believe in God? Do you think it's real? I asked. I don't believe the preacher paused. I know it's real. 